Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Remember back in 2008 when Chris Matthews, the reporter, far-left reporter, was excited about Barack Obama's uh, election as president. <clears throat> Famously, he said that he was experiencing a chill up and down his leg, and it was gross. We, we all will remember that. That, that moment of <laughs> leg chill, publicly declared, will live on in infamy for at least a generation. Uh, that this ostensibly heterosexual man was experiencing a leg chill because another ostensibly heterosexual man had been elected president. Well, if you go to National Catholic Reporter, which you should not generally as a habit, and read about the new cardinal designate, McElroy of San Diego, uh, Bishop of San Diego, arguably the furthest left American College of Bishops member. And, and you read Michael Sean Winters. It is worse. It is grosser. It is even more shocking to the well-formed conscience. When you read the encomiums of praise, I guess it's encomia of praise, that he heaps upon Bishop McElroy. Cardinal designate now McElroy, because it's a fact. Francis, uh, three days ago, announced that McElroy will be named Cardinal ahead of his Metropolitan Archbishop, Jose Gomez, who is not yet a Cardinal. Uh, cardinal, just like uh, Joseph Tobin back in 2015 at one of Francis's first consistories, named Cardinal. Far, 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 far dangerous leftists. Well, now, McElroy, who I happen to know a bit about, because I was writing for Catholic Answers back in 2015, when McElroy was elevated for bishop. I, I mean, I wasn't writing for them on their payroll. I, I wrote for the magazine, uh, not uncommonly, and occasionally on their online site. Everyone was terror-stricken, because, with good reason, because McElroy is such a card-carrying, militant soldier of the inf church-infiltrating Catholic left. And that explains why Michael Sean Winters is experiencing more than, than leg shivers over the elevation of McElroy to the Cardinalate, which is due to take place in August of 2022. It's gross by, by anyone's estimation. I'm going to comically read side-by-side -side panels of the two NCRs as they respond to that bit of news, National Catholic Register, by and large, a, a good source of news for faithful Catholics that love Jesus and love the sacraments. I was attempting to get a friend of this show, Ed Penton, on today, and he wasn't able to arrange it, so I wanted to cover the story before it became moot. And then I'm going to go back and forth and read National Catholic Restorer, a.k.a. Reporter, a.k.a. National Catholic Distorter. Because it's so funny to view the disparate levels of professionalism and leg-chilling uh, joy experienced by the reporter but not the register. That's the dealio today. It is shocking, in a word, to read the biography, the Episcopal discography, if you will, of one Bishop McElroy who will become a cardinal in a few short months at the end of the summer. Shocking. And as Michael Sean Winters 
says aptly in his far-left article, leg-chilled article for National Catholic Reporter, it's a good show of the sign of the times. It's a good show of things to come. More on that, more granular detail in a second. Now, uh, one, one bit of news here at Rules for Retrogrades is I have got my right hand, Miss Stephanie, back up. She, the big news is she's able to climb stairs again after <laughs> her C-section. So she's back at the helm. God bless her. If you hear any nose honking or small farting, that is coming from the newborn baby here, or, or Steph, um, <laughs> who is in a bassinet just beneath the screen. God bless you all for your prayers. Thank you, Steph. Is, uh, I'm no longer at the helm of the technical aspects of the show, which is why it'll go well. Steph knows what she's doing. <laughs> if you want to support this program, on that note, patreon.com. Now, we will be instituting a summer book club, June 21st, beginning the first day of summer, which is not a Friday. Fridays thereafter, there's a nose honk. Fridays thereafter will be the day that we have our weekly meeting. I told you in late 2021 there will be enhanced benefits for Timothy J. Gordon Patreon patrons, and this is just one of a more interaction. The book club that I'm currently doing uh, with, quite frankly, on his channel for Windswept House has gone swimmingly. People are so excited about it. It's a lot of fun. Summer's the only time I ever get to read fiction as a doctoral student, as someone who takes the news seriously. And it's the best time to find a tree in your backyard or your front yard and like Frodo Baggins of the Shire, go to the West Farthing and read a good, dangerous, scary, but in the sense that it's not quite real, chilling book. The book for us will be Father Elijah. I'm going to give you a teaser show on why that book is so prescient, even more prescient than Windswept House for 2022 in the church, for things like the elevation of Bishop McElroy to the cardinalate. Michael O'Brien, the author of, uh, of that particular book, Father Elijah, just nailed it on the head, and it's exciting action. So become a patron today. Any level will do the trick. Patreon.com, Timothy J. Gordon. Also, of course, um, books, Ask Your Husband, the signed copies coming from Steph now that she can climb stairs again. Everyone knows the corresponding skill to climbing stairs is autographing books. She can now do that. Those will be sent out later this week. Don't worry if you purchased a copy. You should be receiving yours by mail or by early next week. And if you haven't purchased a copy of Ask Your Husband, go for it. Ask Your Husband today. You can also buy The Case for Patriarchy on Amazon.com. Uh, go to TimothyJGordon.com and, and go to Publications if you want a signed copy of Ask Your Husband. we got to get Case for Patriarchy up on signed copies. Okay, so the book club begins June 21st and we'll convene Fridays thereafter. It is very fun to get together and to read a scary, frightening, realistic book and still kind of enjoy the light of the Shire uh, while we still can. Who is Bishop McElroy? Who is he really? Who's he inside all that blubber, right? That looks like a fat suit. Um, we're gonna get we're gonna get to it. Looks like a man inside. Who's the man inside of the man? This is Bishop Robert McElroy, and National Catholic Register gives a very professional sense 
of what he has stood for immediately prior to becoming a bishop, which caught the eye of Francis, and getting his own uh, diocese as a bishop, I should say. And, um, and at once he became the bishop of San Diego diocese in 2015. It was shortly after I'd left the area. I was in law school in San Diego. And at that point, he was um, the auxiliary underneath goodly Card- uh, uh, Bishop Cordelione, who we've done several shows on because he recently denied Nancy Pelosi the Eucharist. Well, it turns out McElroy has a sharp uh, uh, issue with what Cordelione did. Now, I don't think we've heard from McElroy in the last week and a half. What we have heard, however, prior to the, the actualization of Cordelione's ban on uh, Pelosi receiving Eucharist, is his point of view on what he calls Eucharistic coherence. Bishop McElroy has been the loudest banging drum, the loudest gong in the American church, preemptively against taking away the Eucharist from abortion-loving, murder-loving politicians like Pelosi. He says that Eucharistic coherence demands that the Eucharist is not weaponized. You've heard this, um, I don't know, saber-rattling from several bishops in the American church. It comes from McElroy. He's the nerve center of at least the West Coast bishops. And he sharply disagrees with his former boss uh, as he was auxiliary bishop to Cordelione starting in 2010 for about five years. Also, he had a questionable response to information on sex abuse after things started breaking News started to emerge in 2016, 17, 18. Also, uh, Bishop McElroy is a pro-LGBT bishop, one of the leaders in the American church. Also, he is a loud voice affirming the idea of women deacons. So this all comes from the National Catholic Register article. Let me just read you the professional not scholarly, but but journalistically do register of this National Catholic Register article. Listen to the register here. Pope Francis announced Sunday that he will create 21 new cardinals in August, one of whom is the Bishop of San Diego. Who is Bishop McElroy? Here's some fast facts. A San, Fran- a San Francisco native, mm-hmm. noted, Bishop McElroy has led the San Diego Diocese since 2015. Born in San Francisco in 1954, Bishop McElroy grew up in San Mateo County. McElroy was ordained a priest in 1980 and served as auxiliary bishop to San Francisco's Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione starting in 2010. In 2015, Pope Francis tapped him to lead the San Diego Diocese, succeeding Bishop Cirilo Flores, who died of cancer in September 2014, just one year after assuming the position. Oops, yeah, gotta watch our language there. Um, Bishop, Bishop, this is the Catholic Church, people. These are Catholic priests. Bishop McElroy underwent coronary bypass surgery late last year, which, according to the diocese, was successful. 
As a Cardinal at age 68, he is well within the maximum age of 80 to be able to vote in a future conclave. Remember, I was explaining, reminding to my wife, Steph, this morning that what a Cardinal does is not really... It, it's it's um, what we call it, parallel evolution. It's in parallel evolution to the ranks of the church. A Cardinal's sort of its own thing. The primary function corresponding to the cardinalate is voting for Pope if you're under 80. If you're a geezer in the cardinalate, we have lots of geezers in the cardinalate, and you're over 80, you're a geezer if you're over 70, if you ask me, but if you're an octogenarian in the cardinalate, what's your role? You can't vote, you know, we're not sure how many of your marbles you have, so you can't vote, but what you can do is advise the Pope. The battier, the better in the Francis pontificate, right? The more cuckoo you are, the, the better. All right, that's a joke. But the point is, card, we have a, a, a trifecta, a three-part uh, uh, hierarchical rating, ranking of our clergy. It goes deacon, priest, bishop. And then bishops have their own ranking too, right? There's, there's higher prelates than bishops. There's, there are archbishops, there are primates, uh, no, we're not talking about uh, the Jane Goodall uh, monkey thing. We're talking about there are there's a ranking of bishops within the the church, but it doesn't get higher in, in terms of the three genera, the three genuses genera. It doesn't get higher than bishop. Now there are archbishops, which are the bosses of the bishops, and there is a ranking of the archbishops, but cardinal doesn't correspond to this. So in the, um, the newest announced consistory uh, uh, list, there will be 21 new cardinals made by Francis, all lefties. Um, not all of them were even bishops. Just bear that in mind, okay? Now, we, the National Catholic Register continues. Bishop McElroy is a frequently heard voice in the Eucharistic coherence debate. Um, I'll skip down a little bit. There's a little bit of language here that, that is uh, helpful. Bishop McElroy has faced questions about his response to information about the sexual abuse crisis. Also, Bishop McElroy supports female deacons and has outspokenly supported Catholics who identify as LGBT. As an LGBT. Isn't it an LGBT? Because you can't be all at once. So that's the professional opening to the National Catholic Register piece. Now, National Catholic Reporter begins with these Chris Matthews-like encomia of praise, and it's hilarious. It's entitled, Francis's Choice of New Cardinal McElroy, an Unmistakable Sign for U.S. Church. Well, is it unmistakably good or bad, Michael Sean Winters? He's about to tell us. Let me begin reading. Michael Sean Winters. A three-namer, a triple-namer. I want to meet this guy, Michael Sean Winters. The news that Bishop Robert McElroy of San Diego has been named a cardinal is thrilling. This is the opening of this shittily written uh, piece of news. The first American to be named a cardinal, who was not already an archbishop or a top Vatican official, McElroy has long been recognized as the leading intellectual among the U.S. bishops. That's not true. He is America's Newman. That's the end of the first paragraph. 
St. John Henry Newman, it, it, he makes an analogy and then he spends the entire second paragraph on who is St. John Henry Newman, was the Anglican clergyman in Oxford Dawn turned Catholic priest who emerged as the leading 19th century theologian of the English-speaking world. He earned many enemies along the way, but Pope Leo XIII recognized his wisdom and named him as a cardinal in 1879. What does this have to do with anything? It's just an extended analogy, protracted analogy. His writings were seen as a precursor to the Second Vatican Council, just as McElroy's writings are seen as some, by some as among the finest applications of the teaching of that same council. Okay, so that, that's a... Yeah, he, he was, according to his his mother, Michael Sean Winters, who who took to the pages of National Catholic Reporter. And uh, I continue. This is a hilarious article. NCR has a long association with McElroy. Back in 2010, NCR's Tom Roberts. What a striking name. NCR's Tom Roberts ran the first national profile of McElroy when he was named an auxiliary bishop of his home city, San Francisco, the delightful San Francisco. He has written, I, I added that commentary. That's not Michael Sean. He has written for us many times, including what remains the best article on synodality from a U.S. bishop to be published to date. Understandably, I'm very excited by the announcement and extend the new cardinal my best wishes. So he's excited. You probably couldn't tell till paragraph four, even though he, he began with, this is delightful. Or or whatever the first sentence was. One wonders if the U.S. official delegation to the August consistory where McElroy will receive his red might be led by a prominent Catholic who was also from San Francisco, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. What an exciting thought! I mean, this this is pure opinion editorial. I wonder if San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione's ban on... Pelosi receiving communion, it should be Pelosi's, apostrophe S, receiving communion, extends to the Diocese of Rome. There will be some gnashing of teeth in certain conservative circles, to be sure. Michael Warsaw, CEO at EWTN, published an article at the National Catholic Register two days before the announcement, entitled, A New Era? Warsaw pointed to Cordelione's action against Pelosi. Right meme, wrong application. (laughs) It is the McElroy appointment that signals a new era. Now, here he's actually right, right? Francis has so heavily top-loaded the cardinalate with lefties that we have essentially no hope in the next conclave, whenever it should come to pass. So he's not wrong. A protege of the late San Francisco Archbishop John Quinn, I thought he was a protege of Salvatore Cordelione. Well, he wasn't. He He opposes everything Cordelione has stood for that's proper. McElroy carries on Quinn's example of civic engagement. I'm sick of doing the slight accent. People love the accent. McElroy carries on <laughs> Quinn's example of civic engagement by means of intellectual engagement. This is what leftists do, by the way. Pause. I'll go back to the accent for a few more sentences, I guess, because I like you guys. But let me just say this. The left people who write for National Catholic Reporter are stupid. Well, like, we already know that. They don't know where to put apostrophes. 
and they talk the way you speak when you've had a few too many. Uh, they, they, they write the way you speak when you've had a few too many. They're dumb. They think that a person can be a Catholic and an enthusiast for, for baby murder. They're ridiculous intellectually. But unlike what I ever hear coming out of National Catholic Register or anything center-right to the right, they're always talking about who's intellectually engaging. That's one thing dumb people do a lot. They talk a lot about who they think is a smart person. This is like a really, you know, some, a bad judge of character talking about who they think has really great character. You're a bad judge of character. You're dumb. You don't know who's smart. You're bad at recognizing who's smart. That's why you work at the National Catholic Reporter. Anyway, very few bishops have the <laughs> theological depth or range that McElroy brings to virtually any topic. Any topic? Okay, let's talk about petroleum engineering. Bishop McElroy, what do you think about offshore drilling? And I don't mean from an economic or a political perspective. I mean, what do you think of... Uh, the geological implications of offshore drilling. Is this sound practice geologically, not ecologically? Geologically? I don't know. What about, what about geophysics? Let's talk about, uh, I don't know. I know you did your dissertation at the Greg, or did, did graduate study at the Greg on theology. Let's talk about the salads. language of what? Salads. Yes. Yeah, well, he might know about salads. He strikes me as a guy that, that has a salad. Has a salad, but loads it up with tons of goodies, bacon and <laughs> bacon and ham, by the looks of him. He's a plentiful man, let's just say that. No, but I mean, I don't know. Let's talk about, uh, what about the language of Hebrew? I don't think he speaks Hebrew, or, or can he even translate it? What about Swahili? He can be engaging on any topic? That is so overstated, Michael Sean. Timothy John says Michael Sean overstates himself habitually. Um, any top, he, he, he has a theological depth or range that McElroy brings to virtually any top. Well, what are the theological implications of offshore drilling? Like Quinn, McElroy is a churchman who sees past and through the often small and sterile public debates of the day to the core values and the foundational principles at stake. From heaven, I think Quinn is smiling broadly at this news. I don't think Quinn's necessarily smiling or in heaven, necessarily. McElroy was on the receiving end of what I considered the most ill-mannered conduct by a president of the U.S. Bishops' Conference in my many years of attending their meetings. In 2015, during the debate on the Bishops' Document on Voting, Faithful Citizenship, McElroy made a powerful intervention calling for the bishops to scrap the text and start over. <laughs> Cardinal Daniel DiNardo, then the conference vice president, replied brusquely to McElroy, commenting that the latter's rhetorical flourishes, as if uh, rhetoric was the heart of the matter, was appalling. I wonder what DiNardo thought of the news. McElroy will be joining him in the College of Cardinals. <laughs> he can't have been pleased. <laughs> I wonder, too, what Los Angeles Archbishop Jose Gomez, the current president of the conference, thinks of the news. 
The Holy Father has sent an unmistakable sign. Now, here's where it's actually kind of worth reading. I think he's right here. I'll still continue with the reading, but... The Holy Father has sent an unmistakable sign. Gomez leads the largest archdiocese in the country. He's the president of the conference. And he is McElroy's Metropolitan Archbishop. Instead of leading the conference in a new direction of unified leadership behind Pope Francis, he joined up with the Napa Institute crowd. <laughs> By naming one of Gomez's suffragans as cardinal and not Gomez himself, the Pope has rendered an unmistakable sign of the kind of Episcopal leadership he's seeking. An unmistakable sign. He repeats himself as if he was talking with a weird accent like me. Um, I think he's right here. Okay. I'm going to continue one more paragraph. I thought I was done, but... There will be plenty of time to reflect on what this means for the U.S. Church going forward. Some wondered if this news means McElroy will be transferred to an archbishopric. But I doubt it, at least not right away. The elevation of Cardinal Joe... This is a good point. The elevation of Cardinal Joseph Tobin to the Archdiocese of Newark shortly after he was named a cardinal in 2015 was different. Cardinal's name was already being considered for Newark when the Pope named him a cardinal. Besides, the U.S. Church needs a cardinal on the West Coast. Okay, so I think he's right. Um, Michael Sean. I, I think he's right. This is the sign of the times. Arguably the two furthest left cardinals that haven't essentially been completely defamed. The two leading U.S. prelates. I mean, forget Uncle, Uncle Ted McCarrick. Right, that's that's done. But Whirl, the replacement for McCarrick, highly questionable in his connection to McCarrick, and um, Supich are essentially, they have to stand down for, for reasons that I've talked about to you guys for the last three to four years. But the two leading liberals in the American Episcopate on the East Coast over the last better part of a decade, have been Joseph Tobin, nighty-night baby Tobin, writing a sexy message to his sister on Twitter, right? <laughs> Hot. Think Melrose pra Place. Melrose Priest, right? Um, that's, that's from the old, the old uh, rom-com uh, Keeping the Faith. Melrose Priest, Tobin. Nighty-night baby. Wow. That was sexy tweet. That's him in Newark, New Jersey, doing his thing. On the West, we have had Bishop, plentiful Bishop McElroy. All these guys are fat, you know? They're, they're well-fed. They are aristocrats. And so it makes sense. And, and he is being elevated over Gomez. Not that Gomez or Cordelione are hardcore conservatives. I think Cordelione is better than Gomez, but... the. Who's to say, right? These guys are archbishops of two of the most important American sees. They didn't get there by, you know, kissing the fisherman's ring of, of, of Benedict and standing at his side through the toughest of, of Benedict's conflicts through eight years. Okay, they got there by, by playing the game. I'm talking about Tobin. And now McElroy. So these are the two leading lefties, and you have a, a an East Coast and a West Coast representative. I think Michael Sean Winters is right on the nose when he says that. And it, however humorous it is, 
to point at the stark contrast between the way that the NCR piece was written on one hand and the NCR piece was written on the other hand, Michael Sean Winters has a point. It's funny, we say NCR as Catholics and we're like, NCR, I hate them. But NCR, now I like them. But NCR, no. I'm talking NCR. <laughs> um, they, they need to distinguish between themselves uh, at the level of uh, title better. But that's just what I say. So what, let, let's go back to the NCR piece. Let's put aside the NCR piece. I'm reading NCR now. Okay. Um, I mean, I just wanted to give you a little bit of uh, Michael Sean flavor, a little bit of flair. Um, now we're going back to NCR from NCR. So what you need to know about this cat, um, in a May 5th, 2021 ep- essay, this is good. If you want to know who he really is, now I'm getting, getting down to that. Mr. McElroy decried what he called a theology of unworthiness to receive the Eucharist. Now, that's part of divinely revealed scripture, is that there is, it's not a theology of unworthiness. These guys that know about theology and nothing else, you know, Michael Sean Winter says that he can talk about anything, be intellectually engaging. Well, hey, look, I'm not saying what's what, but I've got degrees in literature, history, philosophy, law. About to have a PhD in philosophy, hopefully, within some period of months or years. And, you know, what I can say is this. Um, theology's got nothing to do with it. It is a, an ontology of unworthiness. That precludes scumbags, old hags like Nancy Pelosi, who favor murder a thousand times worse than slavery, from the Eucharist. It's public. It's the worst sort of public scandal. You already know that, all right. But there's not a theology of unworthiness here. But he's he's trained in theology, so he has to reduce everything to theology. Contra, what Michael Sean says over at NCR. I submit to you humbly, dear listener, that uh, it is an ontology of unworthiness to receive the Eucharist. It comes directly in uh, God's, it's vouchsafed by St. Paul, in God's inerrant words in Scripture, that one cannot receive the Eucharist unworthily. Listen to me, man. Unworthiness is even the noun being adverted to by God himself. One cannot receive the Eucharist unworthily. And so McElroy decries the words of Scripture, God's own words, by mocking what he calls a theology of unworthiness. Now, it's not a study of God. So it's not a theology. But yes, it is an ontology of unworthiness, and it comes to us from biblical theology. Uh, whereby, under the heading of this theology of unworthiness, whereby those who practice it focus too strongly, in his view, on discipline. No, we're talking ontology, baby. We're talking about the fabric of being. The one thing that has matter. Put it this way, folks. The one item that is composed of matter that you are allowed to worship Worship is the Eucharist. There's nothing else that has atoms or molecules that it is due and proper to worship besides the Eucharist. Have you ever thought about that? 
maybe, maybe not. We worship the Eucharist. That is Jesus in body, in blood, in soul, in his divinity. And if you have any private mortal sin on your soul, one even, you're unworthy to receive it. Receiving it is a damnable offense, a grave mortal sin. The reason that your priest, I've explained this 50 times, so let's explain it 50 more from Michael Sean Winners and the NCR crowd, the reason that bishops and priests get involved with public mortal sin that takes on an element of political speech is because we all know they're sinning, so it becomes scandal. If, if you've ever received the Eucharist unworthily, go repent that sin. It's a blasphemy. But your priest or your bishop did not get involved because they don't know. But scandal is different. For 2,000 years, scandal has been treated differently. We all know. We all know that we all know. That's why it's different. But Bishop McElroy has argued according to National Catholic Register, that the logic of denying pro-abortion politicians the Eucharist, get this, wait for it, constitutes an extremely expansive litmus test. Litmus test is a chem term often applied by pimps in uh, running for office that, quote, applies the sanctions very selectively and inconsistently, end quote, and that, in his view, abortion is being singled out to the detriment of other evils. How can it be singled out to the detriment of other evils? Let me get straight what Bishop McElroy is arguing here. By, folk, by, by eliminating abortion, by following the canon law, and denying murder-acquiescing murder politicians, murder-favoring politicians, child murder, favoring politicians, that it somehow hurts the ends commune, the common good, the body of Christ, the faithful. He's a devil, right? To say this, you have to be one sort of devil or another. That's just, that's how simple it is. To the detriment of the body of Christ, to the detriment of the elimination of other evils, would be to, to follow what his former boss, Salvatore Cordelione, has recently enacted vis-a-vis the old murdersome hag Nancy Pelosi. That's incredible. He, uh, this is a direct pull from his speech. The Eucharist is being weaponized and deployed as a tool in political warfare. This must not happen. Now, Canon law says otherwise. Scripture says otherwise, which is the word of God, says otherwise. All of the great doctors of the church who have written on it say otherwise. 2,000 years of the Catholic church say otherwise. And fundamental dogmatic theology, that one cannot receive what is perfect without at least a scintilla of sanctifying grace, which is why you can receive if you've venially sinned but not morally sinned is an impossibility why you can't get into heaven without being purged is the same reason you can't receive the eucharist without at least a shred of sanctifying grace note note the correlation there not even an analogy it's a direct correlation can't get into heaven 
without at least a scintilla of sanctifying grace can't receive the Eucharist without at least a scintilla of sanctifying grace. Bishop McElroy has so much antipathy for Catholicism that he says this must not happen. The Eucharist must never be instrumentalized for a political end. It's the other way around. To do what you're doing, Bishop McElroy, Cardinal-elect McElroy, Cardinal-designate McElroy, rather, is to instrumentalize the Eucharist for a political end. To say, let's give it, let's break the rules, let's break the rule of nature and give to someone in a state of grave public mortal sin the Eucharist and let's desecrate the Eucharist by giving it to Nancy Pelosi and her elk, Joe Biden. Let's desecrate it in order to constitute what would be rally some political speech for the left, for the leftists. That is the soul of instrumentalizing for a political end. To deny Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden the Eucharist, on the other hand, could never be instrumentalizing the Eucharist for a political end. It's literally following the teachings of the church. It's doing the right thing for the right reason. He says, it must never be instrumentalized for a political end, no matter how important. He also said in a forum, quote, I do not see how depriving the president or other political leaders of Eucharist based on their public policy stance can be interpreted in our society as anything other than the weaponization of Eucharist and an effort not to convince people by argument and by dialogue and by reason, but rather to pummel them into submission on the issue. This is interesting because I don't think anti-abortion folk, yours truly, ever made the claim that what should receive priority in ending abortion, the killing of the most innocent human beings, is to win procedurally by a certain route, the route of argument, dialogue, reason. By argument, by dialogue, and by reason, he says. He's like, you guys are forgetting your own rules. Those aren't my rules. I don't care whether we win by argument, by dialogue, and by reason. No one who's serious about ending murder did so by argument, by dialogue, and by reason. He's saying we're violating our own rules by going outside. This is a kind of crowbar. He says it's rather to pummel them into submission. On the Pummel away. Pummel them into a submission. What would Bishop McElroy say about ending slavery? if he lived 150 years ago, 160 years ago. What would he say? Say, well, slavery needs to be ended, but it needs to be ended not by pummeling uh, slave owners into submission. On This is a much less important issue. Much less. Theologically, it's not even close. Philosophically, it's not even close. Life versus liberty. Right, right? But he, I guarantee you, he would sermonize us eloquently on the need to end slavery by any reason. Pummel away. Pummel slave owners into submission on the issue. But when it comes to a much more grave matter, ending abortion, he says we ought to be restricted, and he implies that we already signed the dotted line on this, pro-lifers, anti-abortioners, that we're going to do it by argument, dialogue, and reason. 
See? See how they sneak this stuff in? The left is... They're, they're clever. They're serpents. They're devils. Some observers have noted, NCR continues, the contrast between Bishop McRoy's outspoken opinion that the Eucharist not be denied to that of Archbishop Cordeliani, his former boss, who last week barred U.S. Speaker Nancy Pelosi from Holy Communion until she repents of her obstinate support for abortion. In Archbishop Cordeliani's case, he explained that he issued the instruction regarding Pelosi in accordance with Canon 915 of the Code of Canon Law, which states, those obstinately persevering in manifest grave sin are not to be admitted to Holy Communion. No, there's no encomia of praise here. You know National Catholic Register is on one side, not the other, but it's written professionally. Thank you. The church teaches formal cooperation in abortion constitutes a grave offense, okay? So they, they line these up pr- correctly. Here's the teaching of the church. No opinion, no political football. Canon 915 states those uh, obstinately persevering in manifest grave sin are not to be admitted to Holy Communion. And the church teaches also that formal cooperation in an abortion constitutes a grave offense. So you have A, you have B, A and B together constitute the conclusion C. Okay. Um, Now, National Catholic Register article also points out that Bishop McElroy has faced many questions about his response to information about the sex abuse crisis. In 2016, clerical abuse researcher Richard Seip wrote to Bishop McElroy listing allegations against half a dozen bishops and warning of a broader problem of chastity violations among clergy. In the letter, Seip listed allegations against several bishops, including reports of misconduct by Archbishop John Ninstead, Bishop Robert Brom, abuse by Bishop Tom and Leon, Thomas Leones and Bishop Raymond Boland and cover-up by Cardinal Roger Mahoney. Sipe also said he'd interviewed 12 priests and seminarians who described sexual advances and activity on the part of then-Cardinal Theodore McCarrick. For his part, Bishop McElroy said he did not respond to that letter because the manner in which it was delivered made Sipe untrustworthy. That's why he didn't respond to the letter, because the manner in which it was made. Hi, Penelope. She's trying to talk. Following Sype's death, Bishop McElroy said he had raised concerns that some of the Sype information may be inaccurate. That's what he was really concerned about. It wasn't that he's a partisan left guy, and these are his buddies or his minions, those accused. That's not it at all. It's that he he cares about justice, and uh, some of the information might have been inaccurate. Now... Who was it? I think Steve Skoja. Whatever's going on with Steve, God bless him. I love him. I consider him a, a friend. We don't talk super often, but I, I like him. He Back in the day, back when he was still uh, commenting from within the ranks of the church on things, he and I together had a going bet with Eric Sammons on how long the female diaconate question would be resolved favorably from the perspective of having female deacons under Francis's wacky pontificate. And Steve and I lost a bet that, more or less lost a bet, to Eric Sammons that it would come to pass at the Amazon Synod of 2018. Remember that? Well, 
Bishop McElroy, that, that's, that case is strongly underway. It's strongly underway in the Synod of Synodality. It's going to be, I think, one of the issues there. I double or nothing bet that it comes out with the uh, Synod of Synodality's globalization in, in a year. Um, Bishop McElroy is a, the strongest, I would say, it's safe to say, strongest American uh, Episcopal supporter of female deacons and has outspokenly supported Catholics who identify as as LGBTs, right? It's, it's, you have to, if you say, I'm going to identify as an LGB or T, if you're one or if you're talking about multiple, you'd say as LGBTs. In 2019, Bishop McElroy told the National Catholic Reporter, the other NCR, that he is in favor of ordaining women to the diaconate, saying, my view on it is that women should be invited into every ministry or activity that we have not doctrinally precluded. Well, that's funny, because Pope John Paul II, in one of his last acts as Pope, actually doctrinally precluded it. So, Bishop McElroy, playing by his own rules, should not support women deacons. Pope Francis has asked two commissions to study the question of a female diaconate in the Catholic Church, the second of which was instituted in 2020, remember? It was, the issue was not resolved by the Amazon Synod. They actually attached a document that spoke about it favorably, but ultimately didn't dispense an answer, aside from that attachment. So conservatives were, like they always do, celebrating too soon. Well, in 2020... Uh, there's a second study commission, which always means that the, the left, the infiltrating left in the church is about to do something they want to do. Uh, instituted in 2020 following discussion of women deacons during the uh, 2019 Amazon Synod. Sorry, I thought it was 18. In February 2021, Bishop McElroy was one of several U.S. Catholic bishops who signed a statement in opposition to violence, bullying, or harassment directed at those who identify as LGBT also. So I, I want to go back to the women deacons thing. This will be a fait accompli before long. That's my... I don't make official pronouncements, and I don't make them that turn sideways or go wrong. Okay? Whatever ends up happening in the annals of Catholic history with the Francis pontificate, that, well, that's that I can't say. There's so much wacky stuff happening behind the scenes leading to this pontificate and during this pontificate that I'm, who's to say? Whether this stuff will be nullified later by one means or another, you know what I'm talking about. But before this man's last breath expires, the pontiff, he will have ruled favorably for those who want to see women deacons. I guarantee that. I, I can almost guarantee that, okay? That's why he's left it alive. Remember, folks, remember back in 1982, 1983, John Paul II said definitively to Cardinal Casper, the communion for the divorced and civilly remarried issue is done. Cardinal Casper, who got his way almost 40 years later, 35 years later, was trying it when I was but a babe. <laughs> a but a babe at my, at my mother's bosom, as, as young Penelope uh, looks at me from nearby. And he 
played the long game and got it done 35 years later. Okay? And tons of popes told him no. JP2 did a couple of times. Ratzinger did once. And even... Remember, okay, so just get the timeline. Because this is important. It's very instructive. I want it at the front of your brains. This is how the left plays writ large. This is how the left plays in the church especially. They have to, they're bounded by more rules, the left cats are. They're bigger devils, bigger snakes than secular leftists. Not less, bigger. Why? Because they know they have to go around several ironclad rules that, that society outside the church crumbles way before. There are no more rules anymore, right? LGBT, a man wants to be a woman, a woman wants to be a man, you want to pretend. You'll get all the centrists in the world to go along with you in your delusion. However, Roman Catholic left prelates have to play the long game like Cardinal Casper did. 35-year long game to get communion to the divorced and civilly remarried. He doesn't really care about them. It's a much bigger and darker and more sinister game. And he did that, okay? Cardinal Casper went through denials that I think were real denials by JP2 and Benedict in his quest. He even got a quote-unquote denial from Francis. This is what's most instructive. Dig this. October of 2014. October 2014. The extraordinary family synod in Rome. Cardinal Casper made the big push for communion for the divorce and civilly remarried. Um, it was on the relatio. We didn't know what was going to happen. We had to wait a year until really a year and a half, in, but another year to the ordinary family synod in October 2015. What happened in that time? I will never forget this. It was very instructive as my formation in my formation as a Catholic commentator. I saw, and I've never forgot, how things work. He went on Raymond Arroyo's show. I was watching this from my friend's house. We were having like a pool day with our families in my friend's house. We watched Raymond Arroyo's World Over where he did a report with, Ka he did an interview with Casper, summertime interview, and he's like, look, we're only a couple, it was like August or July. We're only a couple months away from the second family synod, the ordinary one where, where all the decisions will be made. All the marbles will be earned at this one. What's the status of your big proposal to get the Eucharist to the divorce and civilly remarried? And Casper said, I'm no longer favored by Francis. He gave me a serious hearing, but he doesn't favor me. I've lost. He didn't really refer to the fact that it's been a 35-year quest. He didn't want anyone to know it, but he's like, I'm going to go away. I'm going to stop. He said that. You can go watch that interview. It's a July or August interview where Casper goes on World Over. I urge you to go watch it now. Three months later, at the Synod, he was not a banished, defeated, flattened uh, partisan. He was still one of Francis's right-hand men. He was still one of the men that gave us the Francis Pontificate. Sankt Gallen Mafia alum, Cardinal Walter Casper who borrowed from the Eastern Orthodox. All you people out there who think Eastern Orthodoxy, who still have based liturgies, they don't have more serious problems than us. They do. Cardinal Casper got his plan for the Foro Interno, the internal forum, to get, and this is an impossibility ontologically, a mortal sinner without repentance 
the Eucharist. A divorced and civilly remarried, the Eucharist. He got it directly from the Eastern Orthodox. And what happened about five and a half months after the second October Synod, the Synod of 2015? Well, in April of 2016, Francis gave Casper what he wanted. After all of that kabuki theater saying, I'm defeated, oh, I'm the man of the hour, Francis loves me, Francis hates me. You're Sankt Gallen Mafia alum, bub. We know you're favored. And we know that there is a four-part plan of the Sankt Gallen Mafia for agenda items. And this was the first one. Cardinal Walter Brandmuller, one of the dubia cardinals, told us this in a 2014 interview. This is agenda point number one. And it took almost half of the Francis pontificate to this point half in order to get that one thing accomplished took four years and since then that's the inflection point in the francis pontificate april 2016 communion to the divorce and civilly remarried still still the worst thing that's happened not the grabbiest but the worst now communion is being given to mortal sinners unrepentant mortal sinners i'm, I'm going to do a show on annulment soon just catholic annulment we have catholic divorce it's called annulment it's being abused. But even more than annulment, we're talking about people that have been denied annulments, are now be unrepentant sinners, sexual sinners, public unrepentant sinners are being given the Eucharist. That's what's going on with the female deacon thing. And they have not been waiting 35 years. It's far shorter than that. To people that say, oh, Amazon Synod of 2019, it was considered. Yeah, it was considered. It was made an attachment to the official document a very, very pro-female deacon affirmation. Even though they said, we're not going to deal with this right now. And then a year later, they said, let's do another study commission on it. We have not won. We've already lost. It just hasn't happened yet. Unless something drastic happens retroactively to the Francis pontificate, there's more coming down. And Francis himself has said, expect surprises from the God of Surprises at the Amazon, uh, sorry, the Synod on Synodality, the Synodal Synod on Synodalist Syn Synods in 2023. <laughs> so it's going to be bad. Um, McElroy, accordingly, just as uh, Tobin, who's a supporter of, if I'm correct, uh, of communion for the civilly divorced and remarried was elevated to cardinal the year before it was formalized in 2016. He was elevated in 2015. McElroy, big, big proponent of gay stuff, LGBT, and women deacons, is being elevated in middle... We're not in early... I've been saying early 2022 for the last 50 shows or whatever I've done since New Year's. Now I have to say middle, right? Tomorrow's June, one of the middle two months of the year, June and July. He's being elevated the year before, I believe, women will be ordained to the diaconate next year. And something drastic with the, uh, the LGBTs, the lesbians, the gays, the bi's, and the trannies. Okay, something's going to happen next year, some affirmation. So that's who McElroy is. That's how he fits into the Francis pontificate. He is, I think, to female diaconate what Tobin was to communion for the divorce and civilly remarried. 
And I think it, it tells you, like Michael Sean Winter says at National Catholic Distorter, what to expect in the coming year tells us about the Synod on Synodality. It tells us, we already knew this part. It tells us a little more subtexting, but you knew this much. It's a middle finger by Francis to both uh, Gomez and to Corte Leone, right? Because they were, they were the more senior archbishops than this non-archbishop, um, another Californian. Of these three Californians, you got Corte Leone, probably the most conservative, not saying much. Gomez is sort of a centrist, but, but, but maybe center-right, slightly center-right. And then um, McElroy. And both of them are archbishops, and he's just a bishop, but he makes cardinal before them. He's Francis's West Coast man. Tobin's his current East Coast man. Supich was his Midwest man, but, but has to stand down. Probably still is behind the scenes. But Tobin is the East Coast man, whereas it can no longer be uh, McCarrick. So that's who McElroy is. Keep your eyes on the skies. Let's see what happens with it. God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Remember, get out of your blue states. Get to a red state. Go to realestateforlife.org. Do it now in the summer if you can. I know it's drastic. Make the change. Make the move. Get from the blue to the red. Go to realestateforlife.org. Do like I did. I'm so much happier in Mississippi. This is beautiful. I wish I could show you the yard around here. We live in the forest. I feel like Br'er Rabbit in a good way. God bless you guys. Stay faithful. Things will turn around. Just not soon. Deus Volt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.